Welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're talking about... Heroes Reborn, part, part two. two. Ooh, we got that syncing up of voices. Yeah. I'd highly recommend that if you've not listened to our part one, please go back and listen to it. We'll make some casual references there because a lot of stuff happened in those first six issues of four different series and someone actually liked our first episode because they commented on it on twitter they did yeah oh michael b yeah yeah it was like hey someone actually sent like a very po- a positive review on twitter that was mm-hmm. nice well and they're also a starter backer and they frequently send me emails and i respond oh nice yes but uh, as part of my process to figure out a reading order for this, we're going to be tackling Captain America number 7 through 11 first. Because there is like one part where I couldn't really get a continuity to work, but that's because it feels like this was a lot more loose than the uh, first half was in terms of oh, where people yeah. were. Because like there you had a lot more short stories and these are just like, oh, we've got these five issue arcs and then everything is going to cross over for the end yeah so uh james robinson who was picking up a lot of books at the time takes over for the scripting with joe phillips and homage studios on art with wild storm effects on colors richard starkings and Comicraft on letters and that president was supposed to be bill clinton right uh yes Yes, because he references the Lewinsky scandal. That's right. Uh, So we start off with the Clinton in the White House wanting to know the truth about Captain America from Nick Fury. And it's going to start off rough because they claim that the gap in the Watergate tapes is when Nixon found out about the horrible things they did to Captain America. And that's why Nixon resigned. That that's dumb. Is it dumb, Devin? Yeah, it was dumb. I I don't. Oh, oh a little bit of this history was kind of really dumb. Yeah, I don't find them giving like Nixon the truth about Captain America something that would make him quit. Oh, so. for sure, definitely not, Richard. Yeah, no, I was reading. Gerald Ford might have quit over that, but not Nixon. And then would he get some nachos? Absolutely. I, too, like football and nachos. Nachos. Oh, I did watch the uh, first two episodes of the new season of uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, years man. What do you think? It took me a while to recognize Michael Ian Black as George Bush. Oh, but he's so... I love, I love his Bush. Yes. Though, you know what George Bush I love even more? Which Simpsons. one? Simpsons. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Michael Ian Black was stealing this season. I'd, I'd believe it. It seems a bit more slow-paced than the last one did. It is. It's not quite as good as the last season. I mean, there's, I mean, it's still really funny and it's still great. But yeah, Michael Ian Black, his story arc was great. I also do enjoy what they did to explain away uh, no Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. That was great because it was like, oh, you see a picture of Michael Ian Black and Bradley Cooper. And then it cuts over and you see Adam Scott. And it's like, wait, did... They go through a divorce, and it's like, nope, he took out plastic surgery. Good stuff. Yes. Uh, anyways, El Presidente is on his way out, even though this was like 
96 or 97, and I don't think he was on his way out then. Nope, because the election was and, in 2000. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the American people believed that Captain America was a good boy from an Iowa farm, and in reality he was like the real Captain America we know from the movies. Which is one of those things where I kept forgetting that like characters used to have these really complex secret identities because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like, no, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, because um, Iron Man gave up his about six years later. In the middle of the Busek run. I, I don't know when Cap gave his up. Some, around the same time, I think. I think it was like, probably during the Remender run. Or not, not Remender. Uh... Drew Baker? Yes. Probably. Actually, that's kind of what I was like getting flashes of every single time I was reading this, when they kept like explaining the secret history of Cap. I'm like, oh, basically Ed Bray... Bread, um, Ed Brubaker took this and just made it way better with the Winter Soldier. Bread and Brewmaker. Yep. That would be interesting if he actually got inspired by this somehow. I mean, because, I mean, it, it borderline kind of, mm-hmm. like, lines up. Instead of just being a KGB assassin, it's I'm just a... The American Winter Soldier? Basically. Who's more soldier than assassin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Captain America went on World War II, and afterwards he was just very, very tired. And when the whole thing happened with him not wanting to be okay publicly with the uh, dropping of the bombs on Japan, they were like, oh, well, you know what? We're going to put you in suspended animation. And they took him out, like, once or twice for the Korean War as Captain Battle and in the Vietnam War as Captain Jack Strike. But he always found things that he did not like, and so he would fight until finally they're like, okay, well, we're going to put him in this mind control wipey thing, and we'll set him up with a robot family. And Captain America apparently had been listening in on the entire time, and he's upset because now he knows everything that was done to him, especially under Fury's orders, so he peels the wings off of his mask, tells Fury that he's going to be his own man! And leave S.H.I.E.L.D. And the president is cool with it and Fury tries to object but he's turned down by the president. And like it's an interesting way to uh, start and also it feels like the comic art is a lot more modern in a way. Yep. Especially coming after the Rob. Yeah. We then have Captain America. It actually feels like this could have been a better way to start off the series. Yeah, it feels like a lot of it is just trying to patch up mistakes that they made in the past. And then, like, they even do one more round of uh, retcons at the end of the Captain America run. Yeah. But we then have Captain America's number 8 through 11, where Joe Bennett and Al Rio take over on pencils with Sandra Hope and Al Rio on inks. And uh, the same teams for everything else. So Captain America wants to find the spirit of America. So he slid up with his uh, new Bucky, Ricky Barnes, for the meantime, put an A on his helmet, and he has gone out to see America. Uh, he stops in Mexia, Texas, because the police are trying to deal with a militia that is holed up in a compound, and they want to keep things from going Waco, which somehow Captain America is unfamiliar with, even though it happened in 1993. And Captain America was like living a normal civilian life so presumably he would have heard about Waco, Texas. Probably. Anyways, the uh, group is Maybe Cap doesn't like the news, Luke. 
he just like gets home and watches the American flag channel and falls asleep yeah. to uh, patriotic songs every night. Would he be pro or anti the Enclave in Fallout? Uh, I don't know. It's probably like this. He'd be pro them and then he'd have to get frozen because he would find something he objects to. <laughs> yeah, that would probably happen very quickly. You know what a good way to find out that people are garbage is? Or look at the comments that they post on like somebody's uh, like complete collection of all of the Enclave radio bits from fallout 3 and see who's like oh yeah i went in immediately and killed three dogs as soon as i could or i wish i could have helped the enclave win the american government should have won this game is this fallout 3 mm-hmm oh, okay did you play that one mm, here i've played about the first two levels of fallout 3 new vegas and 4 what do you mean the first two levels like the open. first two missions. Oh, okay. Like I got out of the thing. Oh, I nuked some city in Fallout 3. That's when I got bored. Oh, Devin. And I got to be in some tower. But then I shot that guy and took his key. <laughs> Anyways, the uh, group is called the Sons of the Serpent. And as the uh, sheriff is talking to Captain America, a branch of the group takes over a diner. And we see inside that the Sons of the Serpent are just racist assholes. Captain America bursts in and takes him down, and the sheriff thanks Cap for his help and takes him to their base where the FBI is posted outside. And he's like, These sons of the serpent have sci fi weapons. And uh, Cap tries to talk his way in, but they decide to attack instead. And because they have super advanced technology, the serpents escape, and Captain America swears to hunt them all down and murder them. Uh, he follows him through Arizona, eventually leading to Hollywood, California, where he gives a very Rorschachian speech about how, like, Hollywood and L.A. are evil and has no heart. Not like when he used to be there. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a very different take on Captain America than the Rob Liefeld one. Oh, yeah. Way different. We also have, like, very different situations that they're approaching, because, yeah, it it's... I, I liked... Captain America more before Robinson took over. Yes. And like, I like him outside of this book. Though Ricky pretty much stays consistent because she's forgotten for most of this book. Yeah. But yeah, he uh, takes down the base in Hollywood and ends up meeting with Detective O'Brien who tells him how crime has been on the rise against minorities and Captain America asks if he could talk to one of the members of the Sons of the Serpent. And then he fucking tortures him in the La Brea tar pits. Yeah. That's some rough... That's not even rough chuckles. That's just like... Horribly misunderstanding things, James Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really no, like some books that you've done, but... Jeez, dude. And so Stampy's gets... not there to pull him out. <laughs> and, uh... He gets to the L.A. base and finds out that they have a direct connection to the government who has been giving him advanced technology. And he tells O'Brien uh, that he's figured out where they plan to attack. And it turns out that they're going to kill a bunch of holly weird people who aren't uh, white Christians for their unchristian values at the Hollywood sign. Captain America ends up saving them and one of the producers hugs Captain America because Cap had saved his mother from ending up at a concentration camp, which is like a nice moment, but it's also Captain America fucking tortured a guy. 
in tar pits. Yay, dude. So, uh, Cap needs Cap answers, and Cap needs answers now. Even though, statistically, it's shown that there is not really a better way of getting information that is going to be truthful out of people who are being tortured. It's true. Maybe this is also where uh, Spencer got his ideas for um, Secret Empire. Maybe this book is way more influential than we thought. Brubaker used it for good. Spencer, not so much. <laughs> and some people are just against it as a whole. Are, like, is Heroes Reborn the gun ownership of comics in terms of uh, controversy? What does that mean? I don't even know. I mean, it's, it is a very controversial thing, mostly because people just all think it's bad because that's when Marvel rebooted. At the same time, I feel like people forgot what some comics were like shortly before the reboot, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Cap meets up with O'Brien again, and they notice that uh, their knowledge is very limited, and the uh, Sons of the Serpent have launched attacks in 17 states across the country. And that's when the Serpent King makes an announcement on TV that he is going to cleanse the country, so Captain America decides to head to Washington, D.C. Cap meets with Nick Fury on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and he talks about how he used to love bringing his family here because he loved Abraham Lincoln so much. And Nick Fury's like, your wife is being used as a sex bot. Aww. Also, she's a bomb. And we don't even find out what happened to his son. His robot son. So they talk about how the Sons of the Serpent have their headquarters in D.C. And Nick Fury has prepared an elite team to go with Captain America. We then flash back to earlier where Cap met with Ricky. Who mentioned how she wants to go work with Captain America more. If he uh, leaves again because S.H.I.E.L.D. has felt wrong. And Captain America knows her to follow that feeling. Cap also met with Sam Wilson who we finally see after the results of drinking Cap's blood. And he's now going by Falcon. He's a superhero. And Captain America asks him to help find the lair. And as Cap leads his team of soldiers in, he realizes that everybody on it is a minority and they've been set up for an ambush. The soldiers attack to hold off the serpents while Cap rushes in, but a explosion wipes them out. Two soldiers make it out and report to Nick Fury that Cap is dead. Fury sends him back to the base and then flies to a separate building where the Serpent King has captured Falcon. Luckily, Cap stored himself inside Fury's trunk and sees that the Serpent King is <gasps> Nick Fury, who is celebrating his defeat of Captain America. <gasps> it would be nice if they hadn't telegraphed it as much. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, it was really obvious. Yeah. Well, like, literally the issue before they actually reveal it, you have an evil-looking Nick Fury in the, uh, like, Indicia box, or whatever it is, on the cover. Yeah. Good one, cover artists and editors. Uh, Ricky, meanwhile, has snuck in to help take down the Sons of the Serpent, and Captain America confronts Fury. He tries to call out to, like, Fury's decency and challenges him to one-on-one -on -one combat. Where if Cap wins, Fury doesn't attack the city. And meanwhile, as Ricky explores more, she finds another Nick Fury in the base? What? 
So Cap fights Fury, who gives him some bullshit about how the government isn't supporting him or giving him enough money, but it is giving money to poor people and leeches, and how Nick Fury has nothing to live on. And it's... This was the dumbest fucking thing. Because Nick Fury runs S.H.I.E.L.D., has, like, control of over the entire budget. He's been alive for, like, dozens of years. I have a feeling like it's Nick Fury's own fault if he has no money saved up. Oh, for sure. The also, I don't shit. get... Like, how can you not have money? I feel like it's like a lot of those other type of things where, like, all your meals are probably paid for on base. Did you say meals or mules? Meals. Yeah. Food. Like, you have housing, like... Yeah, but you'd also, like, get a pension because yeah. you're a soldier. Like, I'm pretty sure Fury has served more than, like, four years, which isn't that, like, the minimum to get Probably. a free gun? Yeah. Oh, no. Fury should have, like, a shit ton of money. Because, what, he's the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., which probably has a pretty nice salary. Unless, like, he has no control over his budget, and they were like, oh, yeah... Uh, 1940s government really wasn't happy with what Nick Fury did to Captain America, so they decided to, like, give him no budget, no, uh, salary at all. So, yeah, no, it's very dumb. Anyways, Fury beats Cap down, reveals that he gave the order ten minutes ago, and sends the Sons of the Serpents to attack, so Cap finally is like, oh, okay, I'll free Falcon now, and they fight the Serpents together. Fury uses this opportunity to line up a shot to kill Cap, but when a shot is fired, it's revealed that evil Fury was a LMD, and the real Fury who was freed by Ricky shot evil Fury. The Sons of the Serpent are shut down by S.H.I.E.L.D., and Nick Fury reveals that he let Cap go after Nam to try and like assimilate into the public, but then he got replaced. But it was evil Fury who made Cap have a family, and Fury isn't sure who was behind the Sons of the Serpent, but they probably wanted a revolution, and they agree the company is still not in a good position. And that's when they get a call that something is going down in New York City. Galactus. And Here's my thoughts yeah. on this. To me, I actually really wanted it to be an op- the opposite reveal. I really wanted it to be real Nick Fury was evil, and that his LMDs were trying to stop him. <laughs> That would have been great. I mean, I'd love to see a metaphor on the corruption of power. Yeah. Like, it was a bit too simple to be like, oh, yeah, nobody noticed that this guy was a robot over the past, like, 40 years? I don't know. Let's be real. How many times has Nick Fury been a fucking robot and no one seemed to notice? Yeah, but that's... That's, com- when... that's like Comics 101. Nick that's Fury is like... secretly a robot. But that's when he has, like, more robots in the organization. I feel like this Nick Fury was much less organized. Oh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, we had to tell that story first because nobody ever mentions how Nick Fury was a robot. And it makes a lot more sense if the Fury who's around for the rest of these stories is back to being normal Nick Fury. Do you think that Cap was also secretly a robot and that's why he was torturing people? Let's go with it. They needed two caps, one for the Avengers, one for uh, Captain America things. Just to think that Robinson just really wanted to make Watchmen. I wouldn't be surprised. Because, because as you were, because yeah, because like I was kind of getting vibes of that 
such as kind of like as you mentioned is like Rorschachian and little speech just him going like more brutal and torturing people and even Fury's hole I launched I'd set the order like 10 minutes ago I could see it felt very much like Ozymandias we then go to Fantastic Four number 7 which was plotted by Jim Lee with a script by Brandon Choi pencils by Brett Booth and Tom McWeenie inks by Jessica Ruckner and Wildstorm was on the colors with Richard Sarkings and comic crafts Dave Lanfear on the letters so Richard, Sue, and Johnny are visiting Ben Grimm in the hospital as he, the thing, is recovering from injuries that he suffered saving the day with help from Thor as a thank you gift, uh, Johnny gives Ben the Game Master uh, which is a 64-bit handheld toy, which Ben is totally unable to play because his hands are broken. Also, he has big old rocky hands. And Johnny's like, oh, I was goofing on you. And they give him a fancy Cuban cigar, which Sue was like, no, that was actually me. It was my idea. You know, family times. Oh, yes. And then they leave, and Alicia comes in, and she wanted to see Ben. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I understand why. You missed that date. And I, I respect Fantastic Four for sticking with this continuity that they built. Yeah. And, like, making a more normal-paced story in a lot of ways. And they get to spend some alone time together. The rest of the team gets an alarm, and Reed reveals that he has been working on a way to try and understand how they got their powers that was tied to the wormhole that the Silver Surfer came from. And he has discovered a path to the Negative Zone! Reed wanted to go alone, but Sue's like, yeah, no, we're a family. We're all going in on this thing. The ship has some issues traveling in the negative zone. They run into Blastar, who attacks the ship until the Watcher stops him, and they all end up getting split up. Reed wakes up to see Wolverine attacking 616 Reed from back in the Fantastic Four vs. X-Men crossover, and Reed notices that he's in a, uh, like, Christmas Carol type. I can see things, I can't influence things situation. But he also realizes that he's in the past, which is weird because he looks even older in the past than he does now. And then the Watcher picks him up. Uh, Johnny finds himself at the wedding of Alicia Masters, and at first he's really excited because he thinks that Ben is going to marry her. But then he realizes that Alicia Masters is marrying him, Johnny Storm. And the Watcher grabs him. Uh, Sue finds herself in the park where Agatha Harkness is watching Franklin Richards play. And she realizes that this is her child. And she sees that her 616 self is a mother and breaks down because she's supposedly unable to have kids. Which, did they mention that before? No. And the Watcher takes her too. And with the group reconnected, the Watcher reveals that they must restore the real world or else... Reed wants to get to doing some science, but Johnny points out that Sue is in distress and Reed tries to comfort her. Meanwhile in space, Galactus hungers and demands that Silver Surfer leads him to Earth. We then go into the Avengers numbers 7 through 11. So Avengers number 7 was written by Rob Liefeld with Jeff Loeb on the script, with Ian Churchill on pencils, inks by Larry Strucker, John Sabal, and Norm Rapmund, with letters by Richard Sarkings and Comicraft, and colors by Andy Troy. Loki is still angry at the Earth, comma, Midgard, so he and Enchantress are ready to run their plans, and on the ruins of Avengers Island, which was destroyed in the uh, Hulk's Fury, Iron Man meets with Nick Fury to finish the paperwork for transferring control over 
of the Avengers to Iron Man and uh, Tony Stark. Fury wants to hold on to Vision, though, since uh, Vision was originally built for S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hank Pym. And Iron Man tries to threaten Fury, who refuses to budge until and unless Hank Pym actually shows up. Because Hank Pym is still lost inside of Vision, because Ultron lied about where Hank Pym was. And, like, a bunch of other stuff happened with the Hulk attacking. To be fair, all that could have been avoided if Jan hadn't been such, like, so mean to, the, um, to Ultron. Yeah, every time she did it, he got less and less characterization. So Thor meets with uh, Iron Man as they go and head into the new Avengers mansion, which Tony has donated as it used to be his family's house. And he reveals that they have super shields around the base that nobody should be able to get through. Meanwhile, Agatha Harkness, who was turned into a tree by Loki, transfers her sentience into her familiar Ebony, who is a cat. So Agatha Harkness is inside a cat. What happens to the cat's personality, Luke? That cat dead. Like, they they do not end up, like, resolving that in a way that leaves me happy at all. Yeah. Out in Argentina, Hawkeye and Reaper are on a mission, and Reaper ends up getting shot. Hawkeye tries to help his buddy, but Hellcat reveals that they were in a VR mission, and she was unhappy because she was also on that mission, and Hawkeye was sad because... This was still at the point where Hawkeye was not actually Clint Barton, and maybe he was supposed to be Simon Williams. And, if you're unfamiliar with comics, Grim Reaper is Simon Williams' brother. Continuity! Hooray! Except that that even gets ignored later on. Uh, meanwhile, Swordsman is still super injured, so Captain America is visiting him, uh, because Swordsman got a really super idea to try and fight the Hulk. Suddenly there is a knocking at the door and Wonder Man is there asking for help. Thor, who opened the door, is like, can we help you? And Wonder Man knocks him with a super punch and it turns out that Wonder Man is here as part of the Lethal Legion, which consists of Wonder Man, Enchantress, the Executioner, Ultron 5, and Scarlet Witch, who has deactivated the security around the base. And for those of you who didn't remember, Enchantress had this whole thing where she believed that Scarlet Witch was her daughter and had apparently convinced her of that. We then have Avengers numbers 8 through 11, which were written by the motherfucking Walt Simonson, with pencils by Michael Ryan, inks by Salim Crawford and Conrad and Rapmund, with colors by Nathan Loom, and computer colors by Wildstorm Effects. In his hidden spaceship, Kang and Mantis are straight chilling trying to uh, figure out plans for revenge on the Avengers, and that's when Loki shows up. He turns Kang and Mantis into energy and just gobbles them up. Back at the Avengers mansion, everyone is fighting. Hawkeye is attacking Executioner. Iron Man tries to fight the Enchantress. Cap faces down Ultron 5, and Thor faces Wonder Man. Enchantress teleports Scarlet Witch away because their team is losing, leaving behind Ultron 5, Executioner, and Wonder Man. Which puzzles Thor because if Ragnarok happened, Executioner should be dead. Fury shows up and they hand the enemies over to him. And Fury's like, I've been searching for King and I haven't been able to find him and also you still can't get back the vision. Uh, Cap wants to talk to the other AIM people who got captured, but Fury refuses to allow him. Meanwhile, on the helicarrier, Loki turns MODOK into energy and the other AIM people into energy and gobbles him up. Meanwhile, inside the Vision, 
Ant-Man has reached the brain, which is active, but he notices some sort of weird energy being fed from it and gets knocked out by it. Back on the helicarrier, Fury finds out that his AIM prisoners have vanished without actually being freed because the manacles were still bound and Cap is suspicious of what's going on. Agatha Harkness, still in a cat body, makes it back to the Avengers mansion, but Loki ends up stunning her. And back at the mansion, the team is unhappy about having to clean up their new house, and luckily the Masters of Evil show up to take him down. The Masters of Evil being Black Knight, Radioactive Man. Watch out, Radioactive Man. The sky is falling again. Jiminy Jillikers. Along with Claw, Melter, and our good boy Whirlwind is back, and he somehow escaped the gravity hole that he got sucked into. Hey, that's in good, because I 100% thought he was dead. Yeah. Though, like... Like, 100% thought he was dead. (laughs) I think this is actually a second one for reasons that we get into later on. Like, as much as I enjoy having Walter Simonson on this, there's a lot of shit that don't get explained at all. No! This is really kind of great how they've had, what, this is only like a 12-issue miniseries, and there have been, like, so many continuity errors. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Anyways, guys, you didn't have long enough to really screw this up. Somehow you did. Mm-hmm. Anyways, down at the Avengers secret prison, Loki shows up and he absorbs the executioner, revealing that he has learned the truth. That he isn't real, but he's going to do so by absorbing everybody who he can, so he also eats Wonder Man at this point. We never see what happens to Ultron 5, though. Nope. Like, he gets put away, but we never see any resolution. Back up top, the Masters of Evil and the Avengers are fighting, and the Avengers easily kick their asses. Uh, Thor wants to kill them for attacking him, and Captain America stops him. And this is where the Avengers cap was like, Oh, uh, well, I was away checking on the helicarrier. I apparently also met with the president and switched out my mask, even though it doesn't really make sense here. Good for you, Cap. Mm-hmm. Thor gets pissy and flies off. Hawkeye's pissy about Captain America not being a good enough leader to stop Thor. And Hellcat is sad because she didn't do anything in that battle. And Iron Man agrees that something weird is going on. Meanwhile, out in space, Loki meets with the Enchantress and Scarlet Witch. And he says that he has plans to get Thor on his side. Iron Man, meanwhile, stays to interrogate the Masters of Evil, but he's unable to get anything from them because it seems like their minds are not working correctly. Meanwhile, Janet shows up to talk to Iron Man, since Hank has been gone for a few days, and I guess she finally noticed that. And Iron Man is like, oh, well, Ultron was here, and uh, he got taken away. Let's go and talk to Fury. And that's when Loki and Scarlet Witch show up, and Loki eats all of the Masters of Evil by turning him into energy. Hank finds himself being attacked inside by Vision's immune system, and he realizes that someone has been sending information from Vision to Tony's mansion, and he's really not sure why or what is going on. He flies out to find that Iron Man, Janet, and Fury are all there, and he's like, oh, uh, did anyone know I was in there? And Nick Fury is like, I knew the entire time. I'm also just more angry that Iron Man got inside the helicarrier. And Iron Man's like, yeah, screw this. Janet reveals that she finally has wasp powers and they all escape. But the vision starts glowing, so Iron Man throws him outside and he explodes. And Fury's like, I need answers. 
So Vision died again. Yay! Good job, Vision. Enchantress shows up to meet Thor and tells him Loki's offer to basically, yeah, you can do whatever you want if you uh, work with us and also I'll totally make out with you. Cap, meanwhile, went to see Swordsman, who had vanished from his hospital bed, who was eaten by Loki off-panel, and Cap ends up taking Swordsman's sword, which never becomes relevant again. Back at the mansion, Loki is waiting, and we find out that he has been using Vision's data for his plans, and since Vision exploded, Loki lost that connection. Meanwhile, Hellcat is bemoaning herself in the mirror when Scarlet Witch shows up, and she tries to be like, oh... I was, uh, or er, I was working with Cap the entire time. My whole act of being evil was a ruse to work with Cap. And Loki's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not dealing with that shit. So he freezes her and offers Hellcat a deal. He'll give Hellcat Wanda's form and power. And she accepts as Agatha Harkness watches on. And she is still a cat. And somehow she got inside the house at this point. Why Loki didn't gobble her up, like, energy is never explained would have made the most sense she probably would have mm. had a lot of energy too yeah and it would have like stopped him from being defeated later on mm -hmm. back on avengers island kappa and iron man visit the gamma reactor with janet and scott with janet and hank and they see the super adaptoid grim reaper and living laser are there even though grim reaper never showed up as an enemy uh super adaptoid never showed up at all and living laser is dead because continuity and they're made out of that same blue energy that loki has been trying to keep people into before he can eat them and unfortunately uh like they vanish but the energy is continuing to build up and that is when thor shows up but it's not heroes reborn thor it is 616 thor thor believes himself to be in valhalla because he had died and captain america is confused because this isn't their new thor and uh, this Thor, who I'll call Good Thor, is very confused. Janet, meanwhile, is very happy about the new sexy Thor. Because he's even bigger and sexier than who I'll call Evil Thor. Yes. So, Good Thor is ready to party, but the others are like, uh, yeah, you aren't dead. And Captain America realizes there's something much bigger going on here. They could have still let him party. Mm-hmm. He likes to rock a party. Especially Janet. Janet seems to want to party with new good Thor. Mm -hmm. If you want to go and take a ride with me, I have a chariot pulled by two goats. Oh, why must I live this way? Must be the golden apples of Eden. That's my hot, hot Norse jam. I heard. It's by Nelly, but it's spelled N-E-J-L-I. Meanwhile, Hawkeye is bemoaning Cap leading the team and everything else that happened, and Loki's like, oh yeah, uh, I'll let you be the team leader. And then Scarlet Witch, who's actually Hellcat, is just like, yeah, no, totally, fuck you. Because I want to have sex with leaders. Because now I don't have a tail or body fur. Which, yeah. Like, uh, they finally finished the Lightning and the Storm podcast that... Uh, was going on that we did the crossover episode with I and remember. they pointed out how like a lot of the women in Simonson's run on Thor were very like limitedly characterized and I sort of feel 
I'm not sure if that's here or if Simonson is purposefully writing the characters as being very flat and simple. Which would also make sense. Because this is all in the mind of Franklin Richards. Yeah, I don't know. That That's going awfully far. Mm-hmm. Creativity. The Avengers, meanwhile, have gone to visit Reed Richards, who notes that the reactor is producing new energy via a rip in space-time, and they realize that the reactor has pretty much been what this whole universe has been built around, and they start to realize that, uh... Maybe there's a lot of really stupid things that they didn't notice before going on in this world. And they're like, oh, if only Bruce Banner was here. But he's not showing up in this series at all. Elsewhere in Loki's base, he recruits Thor to go with Enchantress and cause some damage downtown. Fury, meanwhile, has found Kang's ship and finds the video of Loki gobbling up Kang and Mantis. And it's like, Loki, why didn't you just eat the ship as well? Or at least blow it up. The Avengers and Good Thor, meanwhile, realize that the Vision's memory has been absorbed and uh, when Hank cut off the connection, it caused the explosion. And Fury's not really up for dealing with any more of Cap's stuff. Th uh, Good Thor heads in and Fury is confused because Evil Thor is raging downtown. So that's when Good Thor heads out to face Evil Thor. Fury ends up sharing the video from Kang's ship and that's when Scarlet Witch shows up. Cap tells, uh, like, everybody that she was a sleeper agent, but then she kisses Cap, which confuses everybody, and then Hawkeye, who is now in a purple costume and who has magical arrows, shows up to try and attack, followed by evil Thor and the Enchantress. The, uh, teams start to fight, and the evil team is winning. Luckily, good Thor shows up and saves Iron Man from evil Thor's Mjolnir attack. Loki, meanwhile, looks on in confusion because there's now two Thors, realizes that he needs to act fast so he goes to the uh rip that's open in the reactor to try and guzzle that good good evil energy and he gets filled with power loki turns into a giant version of loki and when evil thor and enchantress are like oh we want to be gods too loki is like nope and blasts them down which i can't believe both of them got tricked I don't like, know. There's one thing I've learned in comics. Everyone follows for Loki's plan. Good Thor realizes that thanks to Loki's glo uh, gloating, there is now no Asgard or Odin, and they're all going to need to work together. Hellcat, as Scarlet Witch, realizes that she got betrayed, and nobody is really surprised by that. The Avengers reconvene, and they realize that they are all screwed unless they can work together. Meanwhile, Agatha, who is still a cat, attacks the mirror where Hellcat... Uh, was trapped with Wanda's mind inside of her and this causes the minds to switch back and because the mirror is destroyed Hellcat is presumably dead but Wanda is back in her own body Hooray! and then Enchantress turns Agatha's cat into a copy of Agatha Harkness which means that not only is Ebony the cat dead forever but like Enchantress tries to write it off as, oh, this was Loki's magic that turned you into a cat. And it's like, no! Loki's magic turned her into a tree. Agatha's magic switched her into her cat's body. So, like, Enchantress essentially chose to turn Agatha Harkness back into an old woman. No, for sure. So, Captain America's like, She's done oh. cat killing. Mm-hmm. And then Captain America's like, and I guess nobody ever really noticed that Hellcat was gone or cared about her. 
Let's move on. Classic Cap. They also find that. And to be fair, they didn't notice really that Swordsman was gone either. No, Captain America went to visit him. But he vanished like all the other people. They also find that Hawkeye, who is now officially Clint Barton, is still enthralled by Loki's spell, so they can't free him without stopping Loki. The two Thors uh, talk, and Good Thor points out how evil Thor is reckless and immature. Good Thor convinces him that they need to work together, and if he desires battle, then they're going to go hard on the paint. Iron Man summarizes that Loki was using the reactor to create the enemies and now is super powerful since he's the like person who has all the energy inside they move to the containment center to try and cut off the breach but loki put up an unstoppable shield that not even two hot blonde dudes working together to hammer as hard as they could could break cap tells them to hold off because if they accidentally destroy the portal then they might also destroy the world as well so as loki continues to terrorize the people in the New York City, because he is a giant and he is being a giant jerk. A similarly giant Odin appears and attacks with Mjolnir, which Loki notices because, you know, normally he attacks with a spear and Odin's like, oh no, Mjolnir is just the strongest weapon. You know how it is. And Odin's also like, oh, and you know how you promised that if you betrayed evil Thor that you would get your head smashed in? Well, I'm going to do that now. And we cut over and see that Agatha, Scarlet Witch, and the Enchantress have summoned this giant Odin around Evil Thor's form, while Dr. Pym is working to go in and tap into the reactor's enemy. Uh, Loki notices that his power is weakening. He tries to tap into the energy, which brings down the shield temporarily, and the Avengers are able to absorb the juice, which Loki also notices. He strikes at Odin again and reveals him to be Evil Thor, and Loki is just very frustrated. The three spellcasters have been knocked out by the amount of energy they had to use, and Janet goes and tries to stop him by attacking the inside of his ear, which is successful. Loki gets distracted, so Fury is able to attack with the Helicarrier, and Loki just continues to shrink more and more until Cap is able to attack with him, and with Iron Man and Ant-Man fully charged, Good Thor swings his hammer and Loki vanishes, presumably dead. Good Thor goes to meet Evil Thor, says his goodbyes, and with the power of Loki gone, Cap meets Hawkeye, who apologizes for what he did and promises to wear his evil costume to remind everyone of how he was turned evil by magic. To be fair, his evil costume is much better than his good costume. Yeah, his, like, knockoff Wolverine costume. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. We then get into... Iron Man numbers 7 through 11, uh, with number 7, plotted by Scott Labdell and Jim Lee, with Jeff Loeb on the script, Will Sportacio and Ryan Benjamin on pencils, J.D., Scott Williams, Sandra Hope, and Peter Guzman on inks, Jill Chioda and Martin Jimenez on colors, Wildstorm Effects on computer colors, and Richard Sarkings and Comicraft on letters. So we start off with Madame Hydra being confronted by the Mandarin, who's the leader of Hydra, who is angry that she tried to use Whirlwind to kill Tony Stark and threatens to kill her. And the art for Madame Hydra is very inconsistent because I think she's supposed to be an old lady, but she also has very round, like a very youthful body. And it's just like very inconsistent because it's like, oh, in this panel it looks like she's like 60 or whatever. And in this one it looks like she's 30. Yeah, based on the first arc, I always thought she was like 30. 
I, I didn't think that at all. I thought she was a lot older. Yeah. And she just had, like, very inconsistently drawn tits. Yeah. Iron Man, meanwhile, has brought... Oh, and we will have in, an image gallery for this. I've already put that together. So you can see what she looks like. Because there's also that panel where she gets up after talking to Mandarin and it looks like she's much younger again. Iron Man, meanwhile, has brought Thor to see the armory. And Thor is not really impressed, but he appreciates Iron Man's ability to build a very deep hole. And reminds him that he's just got to keep on keeping on. Meanwhile, at a safe house, Dr. Leonard Sampson is being forcibly interrogated by Jasper Sitwell, who threatens to give him gamma isotopes in the bloodstream if he does not tell him where Bruce Banner has gone to. Tony, meanwhile, meets with Happy Hogan, who tells him that Iron Man and the whole supporting the Avengers are making him popular, but they're still very upset over what happened with Upper Creek Falls, where Park Fiber Optics used to be, and Tony is unhappy about this. Pepper comes in and Tony decides to try and help uh, like Park's fiber optics out and Upper Creek Falls and leaves for work and that's when Pepper and Happy Hogan make out. Oh yeah. is weird only because I'm used to the Marvel Cinematic Universe where it's like oh no it's Tony and Pepper all the way. But it was like oh nope in the comics at the time it was Happy and Pepper. Happy and Pepper up through Civil War. Mm-hmm. When happy dies. Oh, happy day. I'm a believer. And yeah, because then uh, they totally work at the Pepper Tony romance with uh, when Fraction took over. They had lots of other romances. Yeah, but that's when he uh, really built up that romance, though. Mm-hmm. And on the streets, it's revealed that the public knows that Bruce Banner was the Hulk. And someone unseen is unhappy about this. And back at the office, a missile zooms in. And Tony, not being too far away, gets into his briefcase armor and finds that Happy is dead or near dying. Because he comes back. But initially, they're like, he's dead. And Pepper is trapped under the rubble. And we see that Rebel O'Reilly, the original Iron Man test pilot who was presumed dead, is back from the dead in some new armor. Jeff Loeb takes over on scripting with Will Sportacy on pencils. And a bunch of other people, like the Iron Man team is highly inconsistent compared to the uh, other teams. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Rebel ends up uh, blasting Iron Man and chases after him because he knows that Tony is Iron Man. And Tony is trying to figure out what to do. And he remembers that inside the initial Iron Man suit, because it got so hot, they had to put in cold dampeners. So he's able to tell where Rebel is because of the cold gaps. And meanwhile, uh, Liz Ross, the head of security, has been called in to help Pepper. But she looks evil and has some cyborgs with her, which never really gets explained. And they briefly get into a slap fight where it turns out that she has been disfigured, which also doesn't get explained until later on. But apparently, like, absorbing all that gamma radiation messed her up. Which doesn't make sense. No. Oh, yeah, like, not even the slightest. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Jen Walters is leaving the court when the Hulk abducts her from a taxi and back at the beach house, Jasper Sitwell did put the gamma isotopes into Doc Samson and we hear screams and gunshots as Samson wakes back up with green in his eyes. 
Back in the city, Rebel and Iron Man fight through a construction site, and Rebel promises to kill everyone close to Iron Man, and Tony reveals that he had background controls built in to deactivate the old armor, and he realizes that Rebel has been acting weirdly, and pulls back the armor because he realized that he was supposed to kill Rebel and not the other way around, and we see that Rebel is stuck inside the armor, being controlled by something. So Iron Man flies Rebel into Reed Richards' office to try and help him, and it turns out that they're going to need to like physically be linked up to share memories, which doesn't raise any real questions for Reed Richards about like why their minds would be compatible, even though they're like best friends, which is why everything works. And we get some flashbacks to the Knights of the Atomic Table days when they were goofing around and having fun. And then it turns out the day before they were supposed to test the initial Prometheus armor, uh, Titanium Man uh, came out for like Russia as their own mechanical suit. And we saw that like Rebel kept comparing himself to Tony Stark. And so he decided to go and test the Prometheus armor and face down Titanium Man who kicked Rebel's ass and then left him to return with his tail between his legs. And the next day, when they tested the armor, Rebel presumably died without Tony knowing about a secret test, which may have been part of the reason why the suit exploded. Mm -hmm. And we see that later on, Hydra brought him back to life, but we don't know how or why they did it. But for the time being, Rebel is back. Mm -hmm. Rebel is back. Uh, he only has a limited time to live, and he wants revenge. Meanwhile, uh, then in issue number 10, Terry Shoemaker takes over his pencils, and we see in space Terex the Tamer has been bound in Uru Metal, but he escapes and starts heading towards Earth. The party flies down to the Forbidden City, where they are attacked by Titanium Man and Crimson Dynamo, who now both work for Hydra, and in the fight, Rebel is being foolhardy, but... Uh, Tony is able to uh, use magnets to destroy the other mechanical suits, and Rebel is angry because Tony stopped him from blindly attacking, but they press onward. Meanwhile, we see that Jen Walters has been brought in by Leonard Sampson, who has become the Abomination and who is working with Bruce to try and figure out how to like, use all the leftover gamma radiation that they have. They try and do a blood transfusion between Hulk and... Uh, or between... Bruce and Leonard Sampson, but Bruce ends up poking out. So Jin also decides to transfuse her blood with the abomination because sure. Mm-hmm. And back in Something the Rebel back City, can happen there. It's so weird. Like it's more weird blood stuff. They're just really into that with this whole like franchise. It's all missiles and blood stuff with the heroes reborn. Oh yeah. And back in the Forbidden City, Rebel and Iron Man burst in. Rebel captures Madame Hydra, but that's when the Mandarin shows up and disintegrates her using one of his ten rings. Tony blasts back and reveals that the Mandarin was a robot the entire time. And the force feedback from that blast ends up killing Iron Man. And it turns out that this was the plan of the true leader of Hydra all along, Doctor Doom! Jim Lee returns to work on the plotting for Iron Man number 11. Uh, Doom brings him back to Latveria where uh, it turns out that he has control over Rebel's body. And he also reveals that he designed the Titanium Man suit just to presumably mess with his friends. Which is really weird because earlier on, Doom was unable to make a suit that worked for himself. And somehow he designed a suit that was better than the Prometheus armor. 
Continuity. Reasons. Mm-hmm. So he orders Rebel to remove Iron Man's armor, and it turns out that Tony didn't die in the Iron Man suit. Rebel died in the Iron Man suit. So Iron Man switches back, and he attacks Doom as Doom is activating his chronometer. Uh, they travel back a year ago and see Onslaught, and then they travel back further to the first meeting of the Avengers. In 616, Tony Stark sees uh, Heroes Reborn Tony while wearing the original armor, and Tony's uh, suit recognizes 616 Tony as him, which is very weird because he never made the golden armor. They zip out again to when the uh, thing became Blackbeard, but when the thing sees Doom, he attacks. They then travel to Camelot 1,000 years in the past, which is in reference to Tony and Doom's many adventures in Camelot, where Merlin warns the pair that their existence is tearing apart the fabric of reality, and that time, time, and time again holds the key. Then they travel to 2,000 years ago, where Ramatut is Pharaoh, and he recognizes Doom, and then they come back to 1 million BC, where Airwalker is inserting something into the ground before they return to the present. And after their time travel adventure, Doom allows Tony to leave with Rebel's body. And at Rebel's second funeral, Tony and Reed meet and mention the Fantastic Four's own time travel experience and the rift in time that they wonder if it's going to serve a bigger purpose. The Watcher appears to tell them that the Devourer of Worlds is coming and they need to prepare and tells them that the heroes will reunite, which is when we get introduced to the Hulkbusters, which are Hulk, She-Hulk, and a more standard Leonard Samson, because they, I guess, didn't want to keep him as the Abomination. Which is fair. Mm -hmm. And everyone loves Leonard when he has his great uh, flowing green hair. Yes. And we then go back to Fantastic Four, numbers 8 through 11. Sue has another dream about Franklin, and Reed tries to comfort her. Sue ends up leading Johnny and Ben through some teamwork drills to get them to work together, and eventually they figure it out. But they're like, oh, boy, Sue sure is mothering us a lot. Yeah, she's like a mother hen. I know. Other things that would make her feel awful inadvertently because she really wants to have a child and is unable and then they all get ready for a night at the museum at the American Museum of Natural History where there is a new exhibit of an archaeological find called the Makalu Tablet where the Fantastic Four have been invited as guests. And Reed recognizes the writing to be the same from the writing that was on Mole Man's base that was tied to the stellar anomaly that ended up getting the Fantastic Four their powers. Ben, Alicia, Johnny, and Sue come in, and Johnny tries to hit on Frankie Ray, who is there as Tony's date. Frankie Ray, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is one of the many women that Johnny dated, and she eventually became a Herald of Galactus. Suddenly, an armored invader breaks in, uh, talking about how these white people stole the tablet, and yep, she's got a point. And Ben tries to stop her, only to be hit with a psionic blast. She takes the Makalu tablet and runs off only for Johnny to take after her. And he sees her real face and it turns out she is Crystal of the Inhumans and there's some love at first sight stuff. Also, I recently replayed the uh, Marvel Avengers game and I love the Crystal mission where she's just like, oh yeah, and if this doesn't work out, I can always get more husbands. Wait, which Marvel Avengers game? The Lego Marvel. Oh, Lego Marvel? 
-hmm. The original one or the Avengers one? The Avengers. Okay. There's the uh, Washington, D.C. mission where you have to get the Hulk selfie for her. Oh, yeah, yeah, And you have to play through that mission if you want to do the really fun Bucky flashback one. Oh, that was such a good mission. Mm-hmm. Are you excited and for LEGO Superheroes 2? I wish it was coming out for a console that I had. Oh, is it not? Well, unless I pick it up for the uh, next PlayStation 4, which I might do. You should. You, there's a reason you have a PlayStation, Luke. Yes. Think about it as your PlayStation. A shared PlayStation. Yeah. So there's some love at first sight, but then Gorgon kicks Johnny in the head, and with Karnak, they prepare to return home. But Crystal wants to bring Johnny back since he might now be mortally wounded after taking a hoof to the head. And the rest of the team follows, but Lockjaw teleports the Inhumans and Johnny away. And everybody here just looks awesome. Lock everybody here looks awful. Uh, Lockjaw looks like just a St. Bernard with the tuning fork instead of Lockjaw. And Karnak looks like he's Steve Buscemi in the uh, What's Up Fellow Teens. Oh, yes. And uh, Reed has them go back to where the tablet was found, but the power in their ship ends up getting knocked out, and they're forced to crash land, and they are taken away by the Inhumans. In space, we find out that Fire Lord gave up his freedom to serve as a Herald of Galactus, but now he checks on the Catalyst Pod, which is one of the seeds planted by Galactus to be the foundation for life. That way Galactus can show up in like a million years or so and feed on that planet, and Galactus orders him to go along to Earth with the other Heralds. Back in the inhuman city of Adelen, uh, they find uh, the inhuman royal family sitting with statues of Terax, Silver Surfer, Airwalker, and Galactus behind them. And Medusa welcomes them to Adelin and tells them that Johnny is safe, but he is being healed. She goes on to explain that Black Bolt is our silent king, and you know all this boring inhuman stuff. You'll and... soon be able to see that in that TV show that's coming out. Yep. And she wants them to remain and help. The Fantastic Four get into a pretty pointless fight until Johnny shows up and he's like, oh no, the Inhumans want our help to deal with the problem. And they explain that the Inhumans are like their power from Terrigen Mist, which come from a cave. Maximus, Black Bolt's brother, went in. Nobody stopped him because he's Black Bolt's brother. And then the mist stopped and mutants started appearing. And now they uh, are seeing this as a potential portent of the Great Devourer coming for Armageddon in the end of the world. And they needed the Makalu tablet, which it turns out is actually a map, so they can find their way in. So the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans enter into the cave. They fight some mutant lizards that ended up turning into diamond, that ended up becoming dinosaurs. And then they find Maximus the Mad with an army of monsters, including Maloids. And he declares that the Great Devourer is coming. Uh, Ron Lim takes over with pencils on number 10, and we see that Plasma, another herald, is also coming to Earth to help Galactus eat the planet. Back in the caves, Maximus declares that his divine mission is to evolve all of Earth using the Terrigen Mist, so the planet will be found worthy, and he gets to rule Adelin. The Fantastic Four and the Inhumans face off against the mouse face off against the monster army and crystal was able to get close to maximus but he ends up knocking her out and runs off with her to turn her into his queen using the evolution machine uh johnny flies after but maximus is able to escape because he causes a cave-in so black bolt speaks opens up the cave and they rush into maximus's base where he puts crystal into the creation device which is the source of the terrigen mists johnny knocks out maximus and they get uh crystal out 
And uh, Maximus, meanwhile, uh, forces Black Bolt to choose between destroying the machine and their culture or allowing the machine to stand and potentially, like, do more harm. But this never really gets a resolution. And we cut back to the party afterwards where Johnny and Crystal part, Fantastic Four head home, and Maximus screams that Galactus is still coming. Meanwhile, in Latveria, after the destruction caused by the battle between the Super Scroll and the Silver Surfer, Doom's castle is finally rebuilt, and Doom notices a giant robot appear in his base, and inside of it is Dr. Doom. He warns Doom to use the memory card inside, and then vanishes, and Doom recognizes the memory card as one that connects to his chrono-displacement mechanism, and considers using it. In Fantastic Four number 11, Brett Booth and Ron Lim take over on pencils with Tom McWeenie, Norm Rapmund, and Homage Studios on inks. Silver Surfer has finally reached Earth and wishes to warn them of Galactus, since they helped him out in the past. Meanwhile, Alicia Masters is sculpting Ben in the park for charity, while Reed and Sue have a picnic, and Sue says that she is pregnant, which everyone is surprised by. And Johnny is training, but... Uh, he isn't with the team because he's being unsocial because he really misses Crystal. Suddenly in the sky, Terax the Tamer appears. Ben tries to stand up, but uh, Terax hits him with the mighty axe and brushes Ben aside. Re and Sue join in the fight, and Sue tries to call Johnny, but he won't pick up. Eventually he sees the fight on TV, flies out, and Johnny and Ben are able to get the best of Terax. And unfortunately, as soon as he is down, Fire Lord and Plasma show up. Which leads us into Fantastic Four number 12 and the final issues of the series, except for the Wildcat stuff, which we could not get access to, so we aren't covering that at this time. Nope. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. So Jim Lee and Brandon Troy are back on plotting and scripting. Doom arrives in New York to see that the Heralds have appeared, and meanwhile he prepares his siphon suit. Uh, and he hears that his chrono displacement device is being assembled, and he plans to attain the power cosmic. Meanwhile, in the park, the Fantastic Four face off against the Heralds. Reed tries to argue for them to stop, and Fire Lord and Plasma wish to leave, but Terax wants to kill the Fantastic Four because they're potentially threats, and they end up fighting. Sue notices some kids who are stupidly in the area. She turns to save them. Terax moves to kill her, but Silver Surfer stops him, and Sue doesn't really know, and nobody knew that the Silver Surfer had survived. And he's like, oh no, you guys saved my life, and I want to save you guys, sort of. But Galactus summons the Heralds back to him. And meanwhile, Dum Dum Dugan and Countess bring the Fantastic Four to the Helicarrier, where Iron Man, Cap, and Nick Fury are. And they see Galactus's uh, approaching star. And they see Galactus's approaching star sphere and prepare. And Silver Surfer wants Galactus to eat another world, and Galactus is like, no, this is. The one that's going to like do it for me, just this last hit. Like sometimes, like sometimes, like you're really just focused on that one steak from this one particular place, and you just gotta have it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Reed reveals that all of the stuff that they have encountered has led to this whole event, and that's when the Star Sphere breaks into four parts: one staying in the sky, uh, one going to Adlin, one going to Monster Island, and one going or splits into four parts: one going to Adlin, one going to Monster. And that's when the Star Sphere breaks into four parts, one going to Adlin, one going to Monster Island, one going to New York City, and one of them gets forgotten about. Iron Man, Scarlet Witch, Wasp, Ant-Man, Thor, Hawkeye, and Clint head to Monster Island. The Fantastic Four, minus Johnny, 
but along with Black Panther stay in New York City. And this rollout is really weird. Like, this whole section is very, mm -hmm. very weird. Meanwhile, Adeline Airwalker appears, so Johnny leads the humans to fight them. And they're able to destroy it, but, like, the released energy that the capacitor built up kills everybody there. And Johnny refuses to flee and uh, kisses Crystal goodbye as the frames consume them all. On Monster Island, Namor and the Avengers face off against Mole Man and the Moloids as well as Plasma. And they are unable to destroy the capacitor, so Namor takes it down to the underwater trenches where presumably he dies because the pressure causes it to explode and the explosion kills him. Oh yeah. Thor opens her... Uh, Good Thor opens a portal and returns to New York where Fury is trying to destroy Galactus and Galactus destroys the er and Galactus attacks a heli Galactus attacks a helicarrier, setting off the reactor core. And meanwhile, Reed has completed his power nullifier, and Fury forces everyone to leave the helicarrier, says goodbye, and he and the Countess run the uh, helicarrier into Galactus, who remains unscathed, and ends up re using the materials from the city to reconstruct his star sphere and the machines that he had. The teams rejoin and try and figure out what to do since Galactus is seeking to consume the Earth's life force, and when the machines were destroyed, the uh, team is unsure of what the next step is, and that's when Terax is like, oh, I'm here now, you get to fight me. Uh, ben turns on the nullifier, which is able to stop Terax's powers, but then when he tries to attack Galactus, uh, Galactus is able to reverse the energy which turns Ben human and knocks out Thor Black Panther tries to save Ben but Terax kills both of them and it turns out there was a fourth converter that was planted by Airwalker in the South Pole and so the entire Earth gets destroyed the surfer wanted to turn off the uh, power converter and that's when uh, Doom shows up he tries to take Galactus's power fails uh, Reed comes to talk to Doom and he's like maybe we should have combined our energy nullifier in the siphon suit and Doom's like ah now screw this and teleports through time as the earth is consumed on Avengers number 12 we cut to good Thor making a viking funeral for evil Thor and that's when he has Fury shoot a laser for the viking funeral which is pretty badass mm -hmm. uh, Janet brings up how Vision and Hellcat also died and Hank is like nobody cares about them Meanwhile, we find out that Galactus killed uh, Clay Quartermain, who was uh, on Outer Space Recon. And Doom appears from the past issue, and he's like, yeah, I traveled in time. Fury greets Doom sort of casually, and Doom is like, yeah, we're going to need to use all these missiles that we have to kill the Heralds and to destroy the Capacitors. But nobody really wants to listen to him because he is Doom, so he teleports away to work on his own plans. And he also sort of hopes the heroes are going to die. Fury ends up splitting them into teams, with uh, four teams going to the different capacitors, which are in different locations this time. And then there's also a science team that tries to figure out science stuff. Nerds. And uh, we're running low on time, so I won't go into the basic stuff. But uh, the teams actually succeed in defeating all of the capacitors and the heralds this time, and it turns out that, oh, this was a sign that the planet is ready for harvest. And Galactus prepares to eat the world. Meanwhile, science team is like, oh, well, we made a uh, backup plan. And uh, they end up activating the, uh, like, gamma reactor, which explodes. And 
destroys the Earth as well as Galactus leaving only Mjolnir behind. And Doom once again escaped out again to try and do this plan better. We then go to Iron Man number 12, where the Fantastic Four and the Hulkbusters are meeting. Uh, She-Hulk weirdly flirts with the Thing. Uh, there's some uh, fighting stuff that goes on. Uh, Tony finds out that Happy Hogan didn't actually die. And uh, while he's out of the hospital with Happy Hogan, Doom kidnaps Hulk, uh, Doom kidnaps Stark. And the uh, Hulkbusters and uh, the Fantastic Four go out to fight the Heralds. And Liz Ross shows up and it turns out that she got cancer because of the gamma exposure instead of superpowers. And also somehow she's not an evil cyborg anymore. Doom has Tony suit up and Doom talks to Stark about Onslaught and how he figured out a bunch of things from when they fell through time and how in that world Tony forced Doom to help him stop Onslaught and Iron Man isn't really buying it. That's when Fury appears via hologram and he's like, oh no, I've been working with Doom for pretty much the entire time because he also makes weapons and I'm still willing to do so. So the teams break into fighting again and there's some casualties this time but it really doesn't matter in the end like vision dies but nobody cares about vision nope and uh I mean, this how time... many times has he died by this point yeah it's like kenny dying honestly at this stage of the game Mm-hmm. and this time galactus appears and attacks but uh everybody has been so weakened by these different attacks and doom has ends up and doom ends up stealing uh shields files and flies away to go for one last attempt. So the last issue we have is Captain America number 12. Uh, Ricky Barnes is greeted by Doctor Doom as she's walking around in Philly, and he's found out via S.H.I.E.L.D.'s files that she is a chrono anomaly, and he also threatens her grandparents, and Captain America stops and saves her. Doom acquiesces, and he explains the whole stuff about the four heralds and how if Reed Richards die... Oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. In the last issue, the Fantastic Four died in the initial match, and so they weren't able to really work on any new technology. I'm trying to speed up because time is an issue. Yep. You got this, Luke. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Doom is like, we need to keep Reed Richards alive. We need to stop the capacitors. We need to stop the heralds. And we also need, like, some super machine. And uh, so, Silver Surfer shows up to try and talk to Ricky Barnes. And he's like, you all should leave. And Ricky's like, nope, we're not going to do that. And so he uh, tries to leave. Ricky follows. And she hops on board the Silver Surfer board. Uh, Cap follows behind on his flying bike. And Galactus sees Ricky and tries to kill her. And she falls into the ocean. Silver Surfer sees this. Cap goes down and saves her and brings it back in. And everyone's like, oh, this is super serious now. And so... Doom is like, okay, I've got all this technology from these other universes. We should just put it on one person, and they're just going to need to be able to uh, withstand all this energy output and intake, because we're going to fill Galactus's butt with energy. And Silver Surfer shows up, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll do it, because there's a lot of evil people here. And so Silver Surfer launches his attack. And kills Galactus and the two of them vanish into nothing. Reed offers Doom a hand in friendship and Doom scoffs at it. 
A few days later, Cap is at Abe Wilson's grave because it's a year since his adventure began, and he ends up meeting Richard Bucky Barnes and Peggy Carter Barnes, who are Ricky's grandparents. Cap doesn't entirely remember them, which is weird, and Fury shows up and he's like, Hey, you know what I told you about the bombs and like all those other historical things? They're not real, and Captain America's like, I know. And that's the end. Yeah, the ending was a little weird. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, one more issue that maybe wrapped everything up, and then there's the, like, aftermath. But next week, you know what we're covering, Devin? The aftermath. Yep. So we'll see about that then. But we have three universes that we can put onto Trials of the Multiverse. So are you ready? Let's do it. So we have the three failed universes where they tried to stop Galactus, and we'll cover the last one. So the first one is Heroes Reborn, failed attempt number one, where Galactus eats the Earth. How do you feel about that one? I'm pretty bad he ate the Earth. Yeah. Uh, well, we have a lot of ones where, like, the Earth is destroyed. But, That's true. Uh, like, there's one where the Martians invade Earth, but I think it's better than that. Yep. But that's also the one where, like, Johnny dies. Do we just want to be lazy and put all of these into a single spot? I would say yes. Just because, I mean, like, if we're going to be real, like, there's not a whole lot of differences between them. Well, there is the one where Vision dies, so I feel like we could put that one above the others. Yes. So, uh, Heroes Reborn 2, where Vision dies, will be at the top. That's where a black hole eats the Earth and Galactus. Then we have Galactus Eats the Earth, and then we have the Fantastic Four, and Galactus Died Eats the Earth. And I mean, these were pretty good stories overall. It, it was super confusing the first time I read it, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Spider-Man Reign? Mm. It depends. Are we just talking about these universes? Are we counting all the stuff that happened before it? Just these specific universes. Okay, then I would say Spider-Man Reign is better. Uh, Ghost Rider Possessed Grandpa? I like this better than Ghost Rider Grandpa. Okay. So our new uh, 249, 250, and 251 are HR2, HR1, and HR3. Uh, we also had some questions, which... Ah. Photo muscle. Uh, so we also have some questions, and uh, let's pull them up on Twitter. If you want to uh, send in questions, you can send those in to uh, MultiversalQ on the Twitter or via email at MultiversalQ at gmail.com. So, uh, Devin, you asked, will Devin enjoy the end of the series, or will Devin enjoy the end of this series uh, be better than Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later? The answer is no. I definitely enjoy Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later way more. I would have guessed that. The Ghost of Warlock wants to know, when will hero designation Warlock be reborn? Never. Buddy, you died in exiled. Should have done better. Uh, we then have Xavier Files, who asks if Heroes Reborn happened today and Marvel brought back characters that it lost. Creators. Like, uh, Brubaker. What did I say? Characters. Oh, creators who it lost, like Brubaker, Hickman, and uh, 
faction, Sam's uh, Matt fraction, who would get what character? I feel like you could easily put Brew Baker back on Captain America, oh, Fraction sure. back on Iron Man, Hickman back on Fantastic Four, and then who would we get for uh, Avengers? Hickman. Yeah. I mean, his Avengers run was phenomenal. Yeah, so I mean, that's how you do it. Bam, uh, look at us being super lazy. <laughs> yep. Well. They came with us with the questions. Uh, Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. You can find more about us at multiverseq.com, and you can see our image gallery. If you like the podcast, like, rate, and review us on iTunes. We generally post on Sundays. Uh, and we'll occasionally do bonus episodes. Next week, we are doing a sort of Heroes Reborn wrap-up where we're going to try and figure out some stuff, and then we're doing the Exiles Heroes Reborn crossover. Depending, because Counter-Earth gets really, really confusing after a point, and there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, if you enjoy us, consider donating to the Patreon, where you get things like early episodes of our other podcast, and I need to get around to putting up episode notes again. Devin, where can people find you, you online? You can find me online at Fred that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online at, at Coltrick, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at LukeHair.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Multiversal Q. Until then, this one's for Hank. Hank.